Hello, everyone, and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I am your host, Charlie Chapel, and I hope that you are keeping healthy and well, both physically and mentally, in these crazy, crazy times that we're living in. Today, we get to chat with multiple-time nominee and Ardios Award winner, Susan Shopmaker. Susan is awesome. Period. Full stop. With over 20 years of feature film casting experience, she has worked on projects like John Cameron Mitchell's Hedwig and the Angry Inch, 2016's Imperium, 2003's Party Monster, John Slattery's God's Pocket, Frank and Lola, Andrew Neal's King Kelly and Goat, and Michael Franco's Chronic, a Khan Award winner and Spirit Award nominee, just to name a few. Like I said, Susan is awesome, so we're just going to jump right in. Please enjoy, and I hope that you learn as much as I did. So over the course of this show, one of my favorite parts is studying all of these casting careers. And yours has been a lot of fun because a lot of the movies that you have under your belt uh, are exactly the kind of things that I want to be making as a filmmaker. You know, the deep drama, deep thought drama of First Reformed and the psychosexual Frank and Lola and Imperium and Goat, these socially aware, interesting stories. I'm curious... How is it that you choose projects and what kind of criteria you, you have for selecting projects? That's a good question. Um, you know, uh, a while ago, um, I, I, had a, I, I made money doing uh, casting commercials. Mm-hmm. And the film people, I don't think, really knew that that was happening. And people start, you know, and so eventually people started sending me scripts and I was able to actually pick and choose projects. Okay. So, so from the start, I didn't have to, at the beginning of my career, take anything I didn't want to do. So as strange as the resume looks, it, it, was, all, um, it was all by choice. And I like to say I made my bed, goddammit, and now I have to sleep in it. But um, I think primarily life, life is, is tricky. Mm-hmm. And people's lives have a lot of layers um, and complications. And I think those are the things, those are the movies that I'm drawn to as a casting director. Um, I also like to look at projects and say, ah, if I were an actor, I would want to do this. Or this is going to be an amazing job for an actor. And so a lot of things were chosen because of that. And that is based on receiving a script. How how do you come yes, across? It always, yeah, always always started with the script. I mean, it's changed. The business has changed, which mm-hmm. we touched on earlier before yeah. we were recording. But um, primarily, with me, it has always been the script, and um, and then and then secondary and often sometimes first, it's the relationship. If you have a relationship with the director already or with the producers. And if you don't, often it's the hope of ah, this will will move forward. This this will be a great experience, and we'll move forward. That doesn't always happen, but that's the intent. Yeah. Well, what what is it in a script? I mean, it sounds like if it's exciting for an actor, how do you gauge that? As did you ever act yourself, or is it just? Well, I studied acting in college, mm-hmm. but um, and 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 so the, so yes, I did, yeah. but. Um, but I guess you just have to put yourself into the thing and say, would, would I want to do this? Or what makes this 
what makes this interesting, what makes this dynamic interesting, you know, and oftentimes it's the director or the cinematographer who make it uh, interesting, but you have to see the kernel of something in the script. You really do. Mm -hmm. Or I, I do. Um, uh, it's, I read a lot. I, you know, I, I read an, an awful lot. And mm -hmm. so, uh, not scripts, uh, other things. And so, you know, uh, there you, so I'm drawn to good material. Mm -hmm. I think I always have been. It, it might not be material for everyone, but. But it is good material. I mean, that I that is one of the things that I have taken note of is of the all of the movies that I watched of yours and the ones that I didn't watch that I have on my list to watch. I haven't seen half of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are roles that I would love to play. Are, yeah. are characters and things that they're going through that stretch a human being. Um, you know, Frank and Lola are two of my favorite actors out there right now. Michael Shannon and, and Imogen Poots are incredible actors and to pit them against one another or with one another and again it, it's there are so many things that actors kind of get stuck in the flow of doing um so to see these sorts of things that are sure they're a little bit on the out outer edges um you know imperium is a great example of that daniel mm -hmm. radcliffe harry potter playing an FBI agent who goes undercover with neo-Nazis and uh, white supremacists. It's a really interesting story. They're simple stories. Um, that was before its time. That was way before its time. I, I was yeah. so excited to see that movie uh, when it first when I first saw the trailer of it, just because I, I mean, you know how to, in Northwest Arkansas, there are skinheads. There are neo-Nazis in places. There are, you know, the Klan still exists where I grew up. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated by those stories. And to see, you know, Tony Collette opposite of Daniel Radcliffe, who was incredible in the movie. Um, I'm curious what, what makes you care about a project to want to take care of that project, to be a steward of it. Well, again, it's it's material, and then of course it's the relationship. If you don't know the director ahead of time, then it's the relationship that you build fairly quickly. And, you know, you 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 have to rely on one another. Mm -hmm. I, and and so if I and and selfishly, if I feel like I'm being taken care of, and and that means if I'm being heard, huh. then then I am apt to pick up the phone at four a.m if you're calling me um and and in the past i think and this is this is a psychological thing in the past i think i tried to stay the course with projects that may not have been deserving of that kind of attention and i guess i tried to stay the course because i wanted them to get it or you can't say like me more because it's not high school, but that's the feeling you have. Sure. I think it's only somewhat lately where I have come to terms with that not every personality clicks. And there are those projects that you end up just, you follow through, you never turn your back on them, but, but they are not as emotionally rewarding. Hmm. Um, 
I don't know if I answered your question. Absolutely. <laughs> what what brought about that realization and that understanding for you? I think it's probably, and I think you know, I I apologize. I've not listened to your show, but it maybe something else that you've heard from people is the realization after a while is like, oh yeah, they they're just not going to get this. And if you beat your head against the wall enough times, eventually you stop beating your head against the wall. You know, you just sort of say, yeah, okay, this isn't going to work. So. So now I'll just, you know, again, I'll stay the course, but, but the, the emotional draw to it, uh, you have to step away from. Hmm. It's a uh, uh, serenity prayer uh, in my mind uh, the, is yeah. the first thing that kind of comes up the yeah. God grant yeah. me the serenity um, to know the things that I can't change. Yeah, it takes a while to learn that lesson, I think. I think it really does, and I think that it's it's honestly good to hear a, hear that from a casting director. Um, not to say that I haven't heard something similar from casting directors, and not that I'm reveling in your uh, sorrow or, but <laughs> but that everybody's going through this on both sides yeah. of the camera in that casting room from Whoa, the, the PA to everyone. Uh, yeah, but actors, why didn't I get the job? I could have done right. this. I could have done that. No, actually, you didn't get it because, you know, that it had nothing to do with you. You know, that's the right. refrain lately. You didn't, whatever you did in the room was as good as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they went a different way. Yeah. You know, and that, that is a truth. Often. Yeah. Yeah, that is the truth. You can't change it. So, so the world of casting commercials... How how did you transition from the commercial world and doing so many commercials to the, the independent feature world and and all of the different things that you've done? Honestly, it was just economic. The commercial yeah. the commercial world changed. I don't know what you know about commercials, but the the world itself changed, and there just aren't. It's just a different beast now. And I don't want to say the bottom fell out because that's not really true, but probably the bottom bottom fell out in my business. Um, And so, so I still do them. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, I'm prepping for one for tomorrow right Ah. now. But, but I, um, and so it it was out of necessity, you know. Like, well, now I really have to make a living doing film, and so. Did the budget just go down? What What was it about? You know, I don't know. I don't really know. I think I, I, you know, I have to, in all honesty, when I was doing them, I sort of didn't know how good I had it. Like, I don't really under, I I think I didn't understand it. Hmm. And, you know, to make a day raid and to be doing two and three of these at a time in a small company, that's a, you know, that's a fair, fair amount of, of money coming in. And I think I just didn't get it. So I don't, you know, so, so in not getting it, I wasn't, I was very much paying attention to the casting part of it, but I really wasn't paying that much attention to the business aspect of it. Okay. And so, okay. but looking at commercials, looking at television, a, there aren't any because everyone's streaming, you know, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there are a lot of non-union commercials now, which changed the playing field. And that, that's my, you know, that's my off the cuff impression. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So that transition was almost out of necessity, you say. Yes. yes. And then you get lucky, you know, you do you do a movie 
that lots of people see that does well or it sells. I can't really tell you. I don't have my resume in front of me. But there were several early on that whether or not people now even know what they are, they did very well for me. Um, you know, they won awards at Sundance. Uh-huh. Just something that got your name yeah. in front and of so, other people. Yes. And so people started calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always like to talk about firsts uh, with people. Yes, um, yeah. and, and you can tell me if you don't remember anything about this, but I, I want to talk about Alligator Eyes. It is, oh it is your <gasps> first credited feature on IMDb. Uh, don't remember? I don't. I think it was non-union. You know what I do remember? Huh. And I have to give credit. I think there was another casting director involved. I can't remember who it was. I, I and I don't think he or I can't remember his name. I, I he I don't think he's listed. I don't know anything. I don't remember. But I do know that he brought Uma Thurman in to the room, and she was a young model. And I was like, what? What? And <laughs> so I do remember making that mistake. Um, oh, that's great. Very, very vividly. Um, and but that's the only thing that I can remember. I, I can't really remember anything. I'm I apologize. No, it, no it, need to apologize. I mean, this it, is a this is a deep pull from yeah. 1990. That was yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> a yeah. drama romance thriller about a blind woman. Who... Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I just don't. And I, I, you know, there are there were movies, and then I would go on and do other jobs. You know, it wasn't a straight shot of a career. Um, so do I don't. Uh, well, I would do, I did a lot of casting early on also for MTV, you mm, know, for, yeah. for promos and stuff. And so, so I would do these jobs and then I would go and work retail or something. I mean, literally other jobs. So, so I okay. went over, over many years. Alligator's was 1990. <laughs> okay. Alligator eyes was 1990. Yeah. Hey, all right. Uh, I mean, I, sh I show that you have, you know, some extras casting and casting associate work before that. The hell knows, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the movies that I watched of yours uh, that I knew literally nothing about, which is great uh, walking into all of your movies. I highly recommend if anyone listening uh, is looking up Susan's work, watch all of these without watching any of the trailers. It, it is worth it. Um I want to talk about Enchanted. Uh, like I said, I walked into it completely blind. I, I thought it was just an animated Disney movie. I didn't. I You've never uh, seen it. Never seen it. Never heard of it. I uh, that was right right around the time it came out was when I went off to college and started doing, you know, college things. So uh, I looped back around to it. After about five minutes, I was wondering what what is going on here. This is just too Disneyfied. Susan did goat. What, what's happening here? And then poof, it. Uh, I get it. <laughs> um, spoiler alert: It's a story about a cartoon princess that gets transported to flesh and blood New York City as her prince charming tries to seek her out. All the while caught up in this non-cartoon romance with uh, Patrick Dempsey, Mister McDreamy. Um, I know the script went through a ton of doctoring, multiple directors, including Rob Marshall and John Turtletob. When, over the course of this 10-year uh, process of getting this movie made, were you attached? I wish I could say incredible things about, I was attached from the beginning. Honestly, they shot in New York and they hired a New York casting director. Okay. So, 
So I really came on board well after uh, the leads had been cast. Okay. Uh, the major leads. And I did pretty much everything else. I mean, again, you know, that was a big job for me. Um, and actually, I had a great time. You know, I'm responsible for the little girl, and I'm responsible for just about everyone else, I think, in uh -huh. the movie. But not those leads. Not the little those girl leads. was great. She was adorable, and I have to give them major kudos for, for going with her because she was an honest kid. You know, she was a real little girl. Rather than being a Disney yeah. little girl. Well, you know, or, you know, just just didn't come from the world of tap dance. Oh, okay. She, she was a real kid. She was adorable. So, yeah, that was a great experience, but that's the best I can give you on that. What was it like working with Disney? Is there a difference in working with such a behemoth of a company compared to a lot of the other stuff you've done? I feel like I had a really great experience, but I, you know, they had a casting department and I answered to them and there was, uh, I think it was Kevin Lima was the director. Yeah. And, and, so, and answered to him and, and it was, it wasn't so different from casting anything else at the end of the day for me, but okay. that's as I wasn't driving onto a lot every day and having to make lists and lists and lists. I was just casting. Mm hmm. Well, there are a ton of cameos in this one, too, um, from actresses from a lot of Disney musicals. You got Jodie Benson, who voiced yeah. Ariel. Uh, yes. She plays Mr. McDreamy's assistant. You got Paige O'Hara, who starred as Beauty and Beauty and the Beast. She plays a that, soap opera character. That was obviously a little Disney thing. Um, it was. And I don't remember 100% how much I was involved in any of that. Mm, but okay. that was very much, you know, their thing, obviously. You know, those are their... What did this movie do for you moving on in your career? Because this, it, it got a lot of attention. It was a, it was a different kind of Disney movie. <laughs> Not much. No? I don't no. I think that, I think my, I, I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't think I, I don't, I didn't go on and do a lot more studio pictures. Mm -hmm. I, I've done a few of the New York casting for studio pictures, some of which, I took screen credits on and some of which I didn't. There were few of those. Um, so economically, it may have done something for a while. But but the kinds of movies that I'm quote unquote known for, if I'm known for anything, they're, it, it's apples and oranges. It, it kind of is. Yeah. 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 Uh, a good experience. So. Well, and that's yeah. kind of what I'm curious about, because when you you're an orange person and you're given an apple product. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious, how do you handle that? Do you revel in it? Do you, uh, are you a little frightened of it? Um, I'm all, but I'm frightened every day. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it can be a short film and it can be, you know, something under $500,000 on way on up. And I'm scared every day. And, uh, you know, you're scared every day that you're, I don't, you know, what is it? Someone's going to find out you don't know what you're doing. I don't know. But so, so they're all the same. Uh -huh. if that makes any sense. It does. You know, it's breaking down a script and it's still looking at characters and it's trying to figure out who's right. Um, and, and trying to do some good deeds along the way for, for actors who you'd like to see get a break. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a whole lot of things. And but but with regard to me, I ha- in Dis- certainly Disney, it was it was like any other job. I, I, I'm trying to answer your question, but kind of don't really have an answer because they're they're it's always the it's about the work. Yeah. And so I think that's a great answer. I, I, I don't think that there's more answer necessary to that because okay. it's true. I think it is, it is you're serving a story. You're serving the project. And no matter if you have $150 million or $80,000, you still have to do the work. I used to say, I used to say to people when I was getting kind of snappy, um, you know, if people are like, you did an amazing job. And it's like, that movie was $350,000. Could you imagine what would happen if you gave me a movie that was $10 million? Mm-hmm. Because I think like actors, I think we're pigeonholed. And so people think of Susan Schottmaker casting as this, you know, entity that does these low budget indies. But imagine what I would do with with money. <laughs> and and that's that's something I think people don't quite put together. You know, that 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 it is about the work. So if you're if you're giving me three hundred and fifty thousand dollars and look who's in that movie, imagine who you know, imagine the breadth of work that you'll get from this office if we have more and more time. Does that make sense? What it, does, I'm it does make sense. I'm curious how you prevent yourself or if, if it is possible to prevent that or if it's even a desire to prevent the, the pigeonhole. Because sometimes a pigeonhole is comfortable for people sometimes people land in doing that thing that they do very very well and that's their thing um is it a desire of yours to be doing bigger and absolutely but bigger bigger with substance right of course of course i i I, I can tell that that is the first thing on the checklist is yeah substance needs to to do the superhero movie and Mm -hmm. and you know we'd all laugh you know i i think but but, uh, but bigger with substance, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what fun. Yeah. Um, and, and how to not be pigeonholed. I can't, I can't tell you, I can't answer that question. I don't, I literally don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably it's interesting. You said something to me about younger casting directors and I sort of earlier and I paused, um, and I definitely had an opinion of what you said. And, but I think that, they are the ones who will who will uh, fight for 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 maybe changing that. Hmm. Um, on the other hand, I think business is changing, and there may not be a fight to have you know soon enough. Anyway, you know, I think low budget independent filmmaking is is um, uh, is changing. So, changing in the sense that there is just more being made no i i i feel like there's i feel like there's less but i think there it's mm-hmm. it's the stakes are higher so the the money comes from areas and people need to you know the stakes are higher it's just different it used to be that you could just cast a movie and now you have to get a name and you have to do this and there the process is more complicated ah does that stifle you as a creative or well, can that 
can sure. that be allowed to stifle you? A lot of times people have good scripts, but they have to plug in someone who probably shouldn't be in the movie. Mm. And they're plugged in because they release a little bit of money. And sure. sometimes whole casts are built like that. Um, I fight it a lot. I don't always win. Mm-hmm. How do you fight against that? Um, Just presenting what you can well, present and then... Yeah, you do the best you can. I mean, you yeah. make lists and lists and... and but, but you can't... You know, I'm not the financier. It's not my money. I can't... I can fight for someone who I think will be something down the line. And sometimes people pay attention to that and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is all... I, I want to drill down so so deep on this. Um, I think it's it's difficult to find that niche, to find the work that you want to be doing. How did you find <laughs> yourself in in the independent film world and doing these kinds of, uh, of really yeah. deep projects? It's so funny. I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend who's a casting director, and I said, you know, let's face it, we're all a bunch of weirdos. Like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're all total weirdos in high school. And she said, no, we weren't. And she started naming names. And she said, that person was popular. And I, you know, I, but, but I think there is this oddball mentality. And I, even when I was younger and I'd walk into a room, you know, I was, a, I was odd. And, and so the kinds of people who were drawn to that personality were the kinds of people that I wanted to hang out with. Mm. And, and I think that's how it happened. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. You found, you found your community. I have one story and I don't know if I really remember it correctly, but it is my story and I stand by it. Great. Um, Killer films called me in for a movie. I'm not going to name any names here, mm-hmm. but I had recently had major spinal surgery, but I mean major. I had had half of the vertebrae in my neck taken out. I was going to ask about that because that's on your Twitter. I have a full spinal fusion, so I, I'm with you. I, I know. <laughs> all, I have one, one through six are completely gone now. I had the second surgery three years ago. I oh. have completely metal in my neck now. That's why that's up there. Oh. I am a walking pre-existing condition as are you <laughs> <laughs> um because that's political um so 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 yeah so i had this first surgery and obviously i was completely high and i had a job interview mm-hmm. and i can remember what i had on i i dressed myself okay i had uh, crazy paisley pants it was dead of winter and I had a purple and pink check coat. I had a green and yellow furry, like stuffed animal top hat and a neck brace and a cane. And I think a bright purple sweater, which didn't match sort of anything or a hot pink or something. Like I looked like a three-year-old <laughs> and I walked into this, you know, I took a taxi and maybe I had someone waiting for me outside like I was a little kid because I couldn't go myself. And I walked into the interview and they looked at me and they said, you're hired. <laughs> so yeah, there's that too. <laughs> so you never know how you're going to get a job. Sometimes right. you just I need to. I think that's 
I mean. I think water just, you know, you, you seek your level and that's so that's a bit of it, you know, oddballs, oddballs unite. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. It, and I think it's a point that cannot come up uh, enough in this industry is that you do really have to find your tribe. You have to find the people that you work with that get you, that you get because you're going to be spending a lot of time with these people and you're going to be doing a lot of creative things with these people. Um, I think that's really great. Where, where, or I guess, what are some of the things early in your life that help set your taste? Because that is one of the things that we've kind of zeroed in on as one of the main things that casting directors have to trade on is their taste. Well, we have a saying in my family, there's taste and there's no taste. Huh. That's it. Meaning, I, can can you drill down on that a little? Uh, there's, there's, there isn't, there's, that's what it is. You, you either have that or you don't. You have a sense of it or you don't. Hmm. I also, but I also think in terms of casting, there's, you know, and I'm sure many people have said this, it's somewhat intuitive. Um, you have to, if you're really, if, if you're really conscious of what you're doing, in some ways you have to be unconscious, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're in a casting room, if you're just talking about casting per se, um, um, uh, uh, what do I always say? It's like being, it's like you're the host of a hostess of a party, um, but you're not on the guest list. Um, so, so you have to, um, you just have to allow yourself to take it in and I guess taste might be part of that. But as, as I said, I was from an early, from, from early on, that is what I heard in my, you know, like there is just simply taste mm-hmm. and you either have that or you don't. So I just feel like, oh yeah, I have that. <laughs> I yeah. don't, don't think about it too much. Um, Are there things from early in life that you saw uh, whether it be theater or films that stand out to you as as maybe instrumental in why you like the things that you like? Nope. No? Okay. Nope. Yeah. Nope. That is, that is a perfectly valid answer, too. We've had nope. that a few times with people. Nope. No, just everything. <laughs> watch. I learned how to watch people. Hmm. Um, what did my mother always used to say? You can... You can tell a lot about a person at an airport if you look at their shoes. That was something I think she did with me once. You know, like just weird, just things in life. I don't know. Uh-huh. Just, just being observant, yeah. maybe. I feel like that's uh, not a lot of people in L.A. are as observant as people in New York. And maybe that's because of the spread and because of the you know stacked nature of New York. You're kind of living on top of one another. Or getting uh, on the subway. Right. <laughs> and nobody here even knows that we have a subway. Right. Um, that's right. Another movie of yours that I wanted to talk about is Beware the Gonzo. Directed by Brian Golubov. It's Ezra Miller's first starring feature role. No, uh, it is not. Is it not? It's not. not his, it's that's not his first starring? No, his first starring was a movie I put him in when he was 14 years old. Um, I missed that. It is called After School, and it was directed by Antonio Campos. Um, so, oh. so in fact, but that's but 
that movie is what catapulted Ezra. It is. Okay. Um, and and uh, n not not Brian's movie actually after school because after school actually went to Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, and so people started to hear about him. Oh. And it was all kid, all young people cast. And then Brian really wanted Ezra, and you know, got Ezra for this. So yes. Okay, so I missed that, but I still get to oh, ask the yeah. question yes. that I came up with. <laughs> um, so this movie is actually really awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, it is a romantic comedy about a high school student who creates an underground newspaper. Uh, after school is something that I now need to check out. It looks really good as well. An internet-addicted prep school student captures uh, on video camera the drug overdose of two girls. Um, the metaphor being the Twin Trade Towers. Yeah. Oh, that heavy. is the metaphor behind the whole story, which I don't know that they ever talk about, but that is, that's... so it's how people are culpable or not culpable in life and how people deal with tragedy. Interesting. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to have to watch that. What was it about Ezra that stood out to you as being <laughs> able to, to handle this? Because it's a lot to, to, to carry a feature film is a lot. I mean, really, I have to go back to I have do have to go back to after school because he walked in the room. Please, yeah. and I was with my associate at the time, Randy, and he walked in the room and I don't know what we had him do. I can't. It was a while ago. And uh, we looked at each other and we were like, OK, that's the guy. Like, we're done now. We're literally done now. That's a good feeling, and, isn't it? And he's so unique. And I'm sure people listening know who Ezra is and they've read stuff about him and all of it is, everything is true. You know, every, Ezra is just a unique kid. And he, I call him a kid because I've known him since he was so young. Yeah. And, and he was that way when he was that young. It, it is not a persona that he, huh. he may, something may have changed in the persona because he's since become quite well known and maybe it's protective, sure. but he was always unique. Um, so that's that. And then to kind of fit him into these stories, I mean, you've, you've taken chances on a lot of people, actors and directors alike, because there are quite a few first time feature directors that you've worked with. Um, many of them have done shorts before, but a feature, as I've just found out, uh, I just got through the first assembly of a feature that I just produced and, and starred in. Mm -hmm. It is a lot. A feature is a lot to make happen. Uh, why, why do you take those chances? What, because not a lot of people do, it doesn't seem to be the standard and, and you do it fairly consistently through your career. Yeah, well, it's, it's because it's always more, I don't know, it's just more interesting. The fight is real. The, if it's somebody who's, who's, de, who's determined and clear and specific it's um, not much of a stretch um, um, because I would rather work that way than with somebody who's not clear and has no voice and has can't and whose hands are tied all the time by somebody else or something else. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you have to, for me personally, I have to want to do this. The, the money's not good enough to just be doing it. I mean, like I said, I used to work retail. I could go, you know, it's like, 
you know, for a paycheck, there are a lot of other things you can do. Mm -hmm. So it has to be something I want to do. And so young directors sometimes or first time directors or um, um, are, are exciting to listen to, um, especially when their scripts are good. And you've got a, a lot of that. Uh, I do. I think I think we do. And I say no a lot, too. You do. And, and yeah, I do. I actually do. Um, because you read something and you're like, if I'm the front person here and if I'm the one going to, you know, I'm going to go go after wind, windmills, as it were, mm -hmm. I have to believe in whatever this is 100%. And sometimes I know that I won't be able to do that. So we... You, you seem very self-aware in that sense. That you yeah. know where you lie. And I think yeah. that that's important. I hope so. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it ain't paying the rent. But yeah, no, um, yes. Yes, yes, I do. I know what I I, I know what I like to cast. Mm -hmm. and in some regards, I like to watch different kinds of movies than I cast. Really? Like, oh yeah, like you know, give me a, a what did I I watched it like twice. People are like, you watched that twice? Um, oh god, it just came out on Netflix. It's some movie, but 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 yeah, the stuff that no one would ever hire me to cast. I'd like to cast. <laughs> Why not? Are um, they things that you would want to cast or is it just... I don't know. They're goofy. They're uh -huh. romances. They're okay. like, you know, not, you know, but they work and they're fun to watch. Sure. I mean, I uh, personally, I love working on super crazy, heavy drama, you right. know, crying and getting in it. And, and mm -hmm. I watch sitcoms all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. That I don't do. But yes, yes. Well, I, I yeah. But I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another film of yours that I was really, really excited to watch, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, was Frank and Lola. Um, another film that I knew nothing about going into it, uh, except Michael Shannon and Imogen Poots are in it. Uh, they're so, so very good. There's a, a quality to their personalities, to the simplicity of the performances, uh, fearlessness that both of them have as actors. And just, I mean, even Roseanne Arquette and Michael Nyquist, Nyquist mm -hmm. um, and even Justin Long, who is usually like a goofy, bumbling, lovable guy. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a kind of menace to them. Mm -hmm. um, it is a psychosexual noir. That's all I'm going to say about it. Go watch it. Um, and if you have seen it already, great. Uh, written, directed by Matthew Ross. This was his first feature film. Um, how did you end up working on Frank and Lola? You know, I knew you were going to come up with a question like that. And I can't quite remember. I mean, it was killer films and mm -hmm. I have done a relative, you know, up, up until then I'd done several movies for them. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if it was another director with whom I had tried to work and never did, or, uh, let me just, I'm, I'm actually going to. To see, yeah, John Baker, who's a who's a wonderful producer, mm -hmm. also. Um, so it was probably oh, and Lars was on it, right? So it was a bunch of guys, Jay Van Hoy, people who I had worked for or who I had wanted to work for, and okay. I think that's how it came about. And then Matthew, um, Matthew was lovely to work with. And, um, I think I did his, his last movie, his, I don't know if he's done one since, but we did another one mm. together. 
So this is, you cast this alongside Matthew LaSalle. I think we had to do a few people, some day players, but they had to come out of L.A. Okay. So Matthew did some help on that. Okay. Um, I've done a few things with Matthew. Yeah, you um, have. I adore him. Um, um, we're, we're trying to book him on the show for sure. Um, yeah. You did Chronic with him. You did Frank and Lola. You did Imperium. How... How does that relationship work with you and another casting director that you work with multiple times? Because it sounds like you're working, he's working one coast, you're working the other coast to kind of bring a project together. It is a bit like that. You know, if if we know, like Chronic came, came and at one point, I can't remember, I think it was supposed to shoot in New York and this was a director with whom I really desperately wanted to work with. And so we figured out, I think I, you know, I went to Matthew with and I said, will you help? me with this but and and I got to cast in LA I mean I did go to LA and cast it with Matthew but but um I needed his help and in some respects guidance so I think you know that's how it works Mm -hmm. just we have a good time together so it works how did you two best work together or how how can a casting director better work with another casting director on a project you know, I'd be curious how he answers this, but I think that each... I'll, I'll ask this one to him, but, too. <laughs> but I think each... I think if you work choose to work with another casting director, um, it's because you, you need them, you know, and, 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 and sometimes somebody is better at uh, um, doing a, a hardcore business stance, if, that, if that's, you know makes any sense yeah. someone yeah. else might be just better in the studio with actors and and different casting people bring different things you can bring both of those things but when you're working with somebody you kind of have to you, you sort of do divide it a little bit um um, um I, I i i can <laughs> you know i guess uh, yeah, I mean, each one of us does something really well, and so when you combine the two, you get, you get, you know, you get, you get a good, you know, I don't know what I hate to call it a product, but you get something good out of it. Does that make? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it making up for and 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 I don't use this in the negative sense, but for the deficiencies of one yes. another, being yes. able to lean on one another uh, oh. because one person has more experience doing x yeah yes yeah and also ideas if you're sitting around getting ideas it's always better to be with somebody else because you're just sure head and you know to to be able to get ideas with with other people i think is fantastic because oh go ahead please no go ahead nope well i was just curious what how important a shared sense of taste is in that sense uh i guess it's important but honestly you know it's also just expands it. Like I, somebody read me their a list that they had made a while ago, and I literally, they were like, "Isn't it a great list?" or something. And I was like, "What? I don't. I don't even know eighty percent of. The, like, I literally don't even know what you just read me." Uh-huh. And, and and I'm trying to remember who was on it. There's an I forget who it was, but there was a name, and I was like, "I don't even know what that is. Like, is that a person? <laughs> like, that's a one word. What is that?" And so 
So, and then when I went and did my homework, it was like, oh my God, what a genius idea for this thing that you're doing. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we don't all know, we all have access to the same people. Here's another thing. Casting directors, we all have access to the same stuff. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's a, a Portuguese or, a, you know, there's a Portuguese actress who's 18, who's done an amazing movie when she was a teenager there's um the if you go and watch a romanian movie you can there's a giant menu of amazing actors but it's how you choose to 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 do that to either try to get those people to try to put them on a list or to ignore them altogether Mm -hmm. i i I was just looking at something on imdb earlier today and i can't remember what it was but i had watched some television show and there was an israeli actor on it and i was like that kid is a movie star. And then he gets blown up like three episodes in, but he's in this TV show now. And I was like, that casting director had the wherewithal to watch the same thing I did and put that guy on a list. Uh I'm assuming that's what happened. You know, I don't think that guy just showed up from Israel on his own, but maybe he did. Does that make sense what I'm saying? It it does. And it's just intuition that you see these things. There's no... There's no real yeah. way to teach this either. There's, it is only intention, er, intuition, and being around it. Yes, I agree with that. I don't think I think you can teach someone the ins and outs. You can you can help someone younger by by leading them towards what to watch, but mm-hmm. you can't make them like it. You know. Yeah. So. So yeah. Uh, we're we're nearing an hour. We're probably about ten minutes yeah. away or so. Um, I would love to talk about First Reformed. (laughs) Uh, I watched this movie yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I I was really excited to watch it when it first came out, but I've been doing this show, so I don't get to choose what I watch. Mm -hmm. I only watch whatever casting director stuff is coming up. Uh, I I got a chance to work with Mr. Hawk uh, a little while back in a a Western. and it was incredible just being around him to see him work. He were, he was opposite of Dane DeHaan in a, a movie about Billy the Kid. Oh, and yeah. uh, he, he talked a little bit about this film on the set uh, or mm-hmm. about the idea of this film. Uh, written and directed by Paul Schrader, who is known for writing Taxi Driver, Raging Bull and uh, Affliction. It's about a minister of a small congregation in upstate New York who grapples with mounting despair brought on by a tragedy, worldly concerns, and a very tormented past. Uh, it stars Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Cedric Kyles, otherwise known as Cedric the Entertainer, Victoria Hill, and Philip Edinger. Um, it is a true Paul Schrader film uh, in his form. I didn't really know what to expect and was taken on a really wonderful and at times very intense journey. Uh, You're working with Paul Schrader, who is a true master, one of the most iconic writers. Uh, We've already established that you like really good writing. (laughs) What brought you into this project? Um, I had been contacted several years ago by some other people to work on uh, an internet uh, what are those things called? You know, like a web series. Yes. Mm-hmm. That Paul Schrader 
had written and 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 I, I can't remember if he was going to direct it but he was producing it mm-hmm. and so we I cast the entire thing and then it or I cast a bulk of it and then it never happened um, and I had a, a, a I had a really lovely experience I mean like you said I was working for a master so the whole thing for me was like going to grad school mm-hmm. you know it's just I'm not going to repeat anything that came out of his mouth but it was literally like going to college it was you know he would just say yeah the other day I was and it was like oh my god you you just you know, you know just talking about people he knew and his experiences so it was great for me and everybody left on good terms and I think my name came up when he when he had this movie to make and I think that's how it happened okay so so I was thrilled to be able to 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 do it again um although he was he he was not in the studio as much on this one but but I think by that point I, I you know I felt like I knew you know you know his work you kind of know where he he lives yeah well, how much does a man with that much intimate knowledge of the script, because he wrote the script, he said it took him a decade or so to write the script or to actually get it out. How how does that, and uh, coupled on top of him being this master, uh, how does he approach casting? Uh, realistically, um he also that's in my experience mm-hmm. um and and then every now and then, you know i have to say his great idea was cedric the entertainer um and that was his idea and he said why wouldn't he take this like he'd be crazy not to take this part and the rest of us are huh and and he was right you know so so had had knew what he wanted and we were able to to get it for him. Um, Phil Ettinger was a was one of many 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 people who auditioned, and again, you know, Phil's work is you know he's somebody who we know, but his audition was was unbelievable. And he, you know, I can't speak for Phil, but it felt like he was just connected to the material from the get go. Mm. That that he would get to a word or get to a place and he would go where he needed to go, not because he'd worked so hard on it, but because it affected him. He was, he was paying attention to the words for lack of a better way to say it. Is that rare? Uh, uh, it doesn't happen a lot. No, I, 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 you know, so, so I think we, we knew right away my office and honestly, I, I think um, Mr. Schrader knew as well. And then I think there became, you know, we got what we wanted. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen overnight. Well, it is a really beautiful film uh, and a beautifully formed cast. Everybody works yeah. so well together. Um, what I really love about what you've just said, though, about him uh, finding Cedric the Entertainer is one of the interviews that I read uh, f- of Mr. Schrader's in Slash Film is he actually mentions you, uh, which is, I took note of it because it is rare that filmmakers <laughs> credit casting directors for... Who mentions me? Yeah. Um, 
and he he tell, telling the story of I remember the casting person coming to me what is this person like and he's sort of like Steve Harvey and she came back to me and said what about Cedric so um, you're both crediting one another which I think is is kind of beautiful um, because they're I did that but okay <laughs> there's there's just a there's a selfless nature um, in that and in this now in this moment that I want to point out because I think it is noteworthy um, one for a filmmaker to even mention the casting people is rare uh, but I, I just really love this moment so I'm sitting in it <laughs> um, Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a few other films that I would love to talk to you about. Um, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. My baby. Shredded me. That movie is wonderful. Um, written and directed by Sean Durkin. His first feature film as a director. It stars Elizabeth Olsen, Sarah Paulson, John Hawks. A slew of faces that you would recognize now. This is Julia Garner's uh, first film. Yes. Uh, she's on Ozark. If you don't know who she is, you should. Um, it is about Martha, played by Elizabeth Olsen, who tries to assimilate back into society after escaping a cult. Um, but it's just the first two weeks of being out, so it kind of zooms in to this very different world for Martha. Um, yes. When you need someone to carry a film like this, in such a huge emotional span, which a lot of your films that I've seen do. They, they deal with highly emotional, um, very, very deeply embedded feelings. What kind of rarity is it to actually find an actor that can not just handle the work, but handle the weight of a film? You mean to find someone who other people don't know? Um, that other people don't know, but just in general, in in the industry itself, being able to find that lead that can do what Elizabeth Olsen did in this movie, or that Sarah Paulson is capable, or like there there is a tier of capability, and I'm curious at the scope of that tier. Um. Does that make sense, or am I just talking in circles here? I, I think so. I think there's there are two things at play. One is that you have to be con. You know, if 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 you're really doing movies, so you have to think of it, or at least I try to think of it in terms of a giant screen. And I know I know that isn't how it is anymore, but that's how I have to do it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is how does that person hold that kind of screen, and that's not necessarily something that they're in control of. So there's that element. What do, you, then, what do you mean by how they hold that screen, though? It's, it's what the camera sees. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And some people hold a giant screen, and in my opinion, other people hold a small screen. So they can hold, you know, something that's the size of your computer, but if you put that same face on a giant screen, it may not their their presence may not be the same mm -hmm. so that's part of it and the other part of it is just talent and certainly with um uh, uh um with elizabeth she she came in and auditioned 
And I, I, I think that if I'm remembering correctly, she came in for something else and we loved her. She had, she was still in school and she didn't get that. We actually, I think, I, I don't, I don't know if she knows this and we tried desperately to get her that other job and she didn't get it. And so we remembered her for this, you know, as did her agents. And she, again, she holds the screen. That character is so quixotic and, and, um, secretive. Yeah, and yeah. she held the screen. She, I thought she did lovely work and, and also she comes with, you know, to, to be honest, there is a bit of baggage there. And so you think you know what you're getting, but you're not getting that. Mm -hmm. And I, and for me personally, I felt it fed into the story. Does that make sense? It does. Did you, did you realize that beforehand? Like as you were doing the casting? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I think, yes, mm -hmm. I did. I mean, I, I, I do, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not, I'm being, I'm talking business, What you know, not business-wise, but I'm talking very specifically. And with Sarah Paulson, she had had, had a huge, um, I think she had large television presence. And randomly, I saw her in a play in New York. And that was for me when I was like, oh, this is a, this is a real divine act. This is an actress. Yeah. yeah. And... And and that's how I think that came about. Well, this um, one I I truly adore this cast. Uh, it is yeah, too. it is a really incredible like ensemble of a cast. It is truly one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, um, it's there. And yeah, I love yeah. Sean Durkin, and we just uh, we just cast another movie for him. So there's oh nice one there. There's one out there, and hopefully there will be more. We'll see. Well, and you were you uh, won an Ardios for this as well, I right? Two thousand twelve for yeah. casting for a low budget feature, um, and you also won last year for Beach Rats. Yes. What? You don't seem like somebody who lives off of the accolades. Uh, yeah. Not but I am curious, what does that mean for you to be recognized by the community of casting? Uh, I think we we would all say the same thing. I think it's it's um, you know to I think it's lovely. Um, I think it's lovely when we all recognize each other's work. Um, um, and, and sometimes you can really see some, you, you can watch something as a casting director and you absolutely know that the casting director had everything to do with it. Um, and, and you can tell, you know, you can literally tell because of who's in it and mm -hmm. how, how it's come to, you know, you, you know, we, we know actors, it's hard to watch American movies because we know them all. Um, <laughs> but sometimes you can see how, how a cast was built. So I guess it's a it's a nice feeling. It's sometimes it's also just fun to recognize it in other people's work, you know. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to be whatever, but but you know, recognizing it is great in each other. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh, you know, based around the conversation that we had even before we started recording, that is, I I do think, and it is important to recognize those 
especially those movies when you can tell because you're right there are certain ensembles there are certain movies that that really come together with a cast that you're like the casting was so important in this film that without the casting director having done what they did it would not exist it wouldn't be good it wouldn't it would be a much different thing um so i'm glad to to hear that more and more of that is happening and hopefully we will see more of it happen in the future um unfortunately uh we have reached our hour uh, I have multiple other films that I would like to talk to you about. We didn't even talk about Hedwig again, the Angry Inch, and I've got. Oh my God! You know what? We're I'm gonna we're gonna oh. go we're gonna go over we're gonna go about. over. Uh, <laughs> oh we're gonna God. we're gonna talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, it is a story of a transgender punk rock girl from East Berlin she tours the U.S. with her band as she tells her life story and follows the former lover bandmate who stole her songs. Uh, it was first produced off Broadway. Then on the West End, it landed on film in 2001, starring John Cameron Mitchell, uh, Andrea Martin, Michael Pitt, and Miriam Shore. Uh, it was winner of the Audience Award at Sundance. Another film, another project before its time, I think. Um, the movie was written and directed by the guy who played Hedwig, John Cameron Mitchell, after he had been doing Hedwig on the stage for a while. And I'm curious, with that level of involvement and devotion to this story, I imagine casting it would have been wildly different from a lot of other projects. What was that involvement like? I love John. Um, um, my anecdote to all of it is, of course, I knew John as a young actor. You know, we all know each other. We've done a lot of theater. And I can remember this very specifically. I think he probably remembers it too. He was getting into an elevator one day and he, he said to, he went, Susan, Susan, I just wrote this show about a drag queen and I'm going to do it. And, and I'm, you know, I'm going to do it downtown or some such. And I went, that's so sweet, John. Bye. And the door closed (laughs) and, and the rest is history. So, so, um, Doing casting for John, I mean, those are two different conversations. Casting for John is is an extraordinary experience. Um, uh, he loves actors, and so do I. So we, you know, I've worked for him twice and have had great experiences both times. He's very specific, and he knows how to communicate and... I can't say it's easy because it, it, it was exhausting, but it was also, um, it was, you know, look, all you have to do is look at, look, watch the movie and you see, you <laughs> yeah. know, you can do what you need to see. I don't know if I answered anything. I, just I like, think you absolutely did. Uh, what is the difference between this kind of project that has already found its feet on the stage? Well, it was off Broadway, you know, it certainly wasn't Broadway. So it found its feet, but it was still sort of this, this funky in a in a weird hotel kind of in this like weird if i remember correctly it's sort of this weird space you know the hotel has since been renovated and mm-hmm. fancy now so it was all a little dirty you know so it had a huge it had a following here but i'm i'm not so sure you know the show is very different from the movie so so the movie you know brought that text you know to uh, visually to life yeah so we had to cast people that aren't necessarily in the musical 
that makes sense. It does. I mean, I what... mean Shore was in the was in the show, and she she reprised her role. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see. Um, I mean, uh, one one person of note is Michael Pitt, who yeah, kind of yeah. would have been a little relative unknown at the time. And, he was very unknown. And yes. you know, although this is a musical, he doesn't sing. All the songs are him no. singing the vocals of the man who wrote the music, Stephen Trask. Yes. What cemented this part for him being um, in a musical, not singing? It's what he. It's the. I don't think he was ever meant to sing. To oh, okay. Um, and and um, I think it was the quality of the person. And um, I had seen him in a show at New York Theater Workshop called uh the trestle at hope lit creek or something like that and it was a it was a pretty much a two-hander and he was a kid i mean i think he was 16 or yeah, something yeah. and that's how he you know that's we brought him in and auditioned him i think he was the first person i brought in and then we saw like 90 other people and then it was like oh yeah it's that guy right something like that i love it i love that yeah 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 it's it's a really incredible film uh, and an incredible story that you know I hope uh, I hope continues to make its rounds. I know it you, you still see it pop up here at the Pantages every now and again or mm. or it has a new I think it has a new uh, they've done something to it. It's, oh. it has a, um, mm. I know it's playing because uh, I I don't really know why, but I know it's out there again. Okay, this has been an absolute pleasure, Susan. Um, I've really enjoyed going through your career. We still have more to talk about, so we're probably going to have to do another episode sometime in the near future. All right. Thank you. We really hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Placing Faces. Do not forget to like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share this episode. I love you. Maria Perry, still the best. Thank you for everything. Now a quick word from Miss Maria. Hi, I'm Maria Perry, the producer of Placing Faces, and I'm just popping in to let you know that you can now find and support Placing Faces on Patreon. This podcast is a labor of love, and that means our production cycles are slower than we'd like when our day jobs get in the way. We're hoping to be able to get one more person involved and make the editing process a little quicker. And when you support us, you can join the community that we're building. Find out who we'll be talking to next, submit questions, and vote in polls about upcoming episodes. So find us on Patreon or check our website for a link at... Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs. Connecting companies and creatives seamlessly. We'd also like to thank our partners at the Casting Society of America. The CSA is a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, visit castingsociety.com. Thank you all so much for listening, and until next time, be well.